0: Well, we are working our way through the Nicene Creed right now. This is our sermon series at the moment. Uh, It's a series that is uh, intended for us to know what we believe and why we believe it. That's what the Creed is about. And so far, we've heard about God the Father. And uh, we are in the midst of hearing about God the Son. And this week, we come to uh, the work of Jesus... God the Son, where if He didn't do this, uh, the thing we're going to focus on today, then the rest of what we say we believe wouldn't really matter at all. Everything in the Creed is very important. That's why it's in there. But all of it hangs together because of this amazing thing that God did for us. And just for a little review, uh, we say we believe uh, in one God. That he is one. We believe he created everything. We believe that Jesus, God the Son, came down from heaven and was born of a virgin and became incarnate, became man. And we believe that Jesus did all of this to live for us, uh, to do what we could not do, and to be what we could not be, to forgive us of our sins. And we said last week that we believe he was crucified, died, and was buried for us. And all of that is awesome. It is crucial, obviously, to the Christian faith. And yet all of it hangs on what we're looking at today, on the fact that we believe on the third day, Jesus rose again in accordance with the scriptures. We believe in the resurrection from the dead. It makes the whole of our faith work. It makes it all matter. And Paul tells us this much. Uh, He says it very clearly in 1 Corinthians 15. He wrote, If Christ has not been raised, our faith is futile and we are still in our sins. If in Christ we have hoped in this life only, we are of all people to be pitied. If the resurrection didn't really happen, we are lost. That's what Paul's saying. The resurrection is the proof that God has indeed conquered death for us, that was his promise. The resurrection is the yes to all of God's promises to us that we will have eternal life if we believe in his son. And we know that it's true, these promises, and we have hope because the grave was empty, because Jesus actually rose from the dead. Our sin was left in the grave and our Lord, the God of all creation, walked out marking the beginning of him making everything new. That's what the resurrection means. Now the thing is about this is that we live 2,000 years later on the other side of the world, right? Uh, From when when and where these events took place. We're so separated from them in space and time that they sometimes morph into just kind of a great story instead of actual events. It doesn't, I mean, we have kind of an excuse when I say we live 2,000 years later and, you know, on the other side of the world, but you heard in the gospel reading today when the women come and tell the disciples what had happened, they thought it was an idle tale. This is still our kind of default re- reaction. Oh, that can't be true. You know, that just sounds like a story. It's a great story, but it's a story. We fall into that same place that the disciples do. And I think this is one of the reasons why the church in large part, loses focus, which the church has historically done a lot. It loses focus. It's much easier to think about religion in terms of uh, rules and regulations for moral living, you know, than it is to think about an actual guy who was the son of God who lived and died and rose from the dead and is the object of our worship. Instead of continually pressing this death and resurrection thing, uh, you know, this worshiping God thing, the church, uh, the church goes to what's easier to connect with. You know, it's so hard to connect to that resurrection idea on a daily basis. And uh, so it's easier just to talk about, you know, following the rules, being good, nice people and behaving. Right. At least that's what much of the mainline denominations do. That's where the church has gone. You basically just get more rules, and you're told what to do. Still, even churches that believe in Jesus and proclaim him still fall into this uh, default setting of behavioral modification. You know, Christianity kind of turns into behavioral modification. And it's because we actually think that is good. We like practical. We like things that we can kind of hold on to. Just tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to believe and why. Tell me what to do. That's kind of our natural response. We want things concrete and tangible. We want them sensible. And the good news is today, we're actually going to see all of that in our service. This is why I'm so excited we're doing bat- a baptism, two baptisms on the day we're talking about resurrection. Because we're actually going to get that tangible thing. We're actually going uh, to engage with God's gospel, with this good news, with all of our senses today. We're going to take part in Hector's and Cecilia's baptisms. We're going to see the water poured over their heads. We're going to hear it splash back into the bowl. And we may even hear a cry, depending on what mood Cecilia is in. Um, it's an appropriate response, frankly, when we learn about what baptism is to cry. But um, we're, going to, we're going to participate by speaking our support. We're going to speak our verbal support of them as a, as a church. And we're going to witness in this service God preaching to us through his creation. He's preaching to us through the water, through the things he made. It's the same thing he does in communion. He preaches to us through the bread and the wine. And he's going to preach to us about his son and his resurrection Today. And we're going to watch him do it to Cecilia and Hecti. You see, the same powerful working of God that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in baptism. That's what Scripture tells us. Baptism is an event where we experience God at work on us. His cross happens to us, I've heard a a theologian say. He is the actor. In baptism, he's the subject, and we are the object. Okay? We are being acted upon. And the Bible tells us that there are three main things that happen in baptism. Three main things that will happen today to Hector and to Cecilia. And the first one is that they are going to be washed clean. That's the imagery of water washing over their heads. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5 that Jesus loved the church. He gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. God washes us with the water and with the word. So Hector and Cecilia, like all of us, you see, were born into uh, a condition. They were born with a problem. It's hard to believe when you look at them, but it is true. Uh, They were born into brokenness, just like you and me. They're still very small, so they probably don't act on it, or at least they don't seem like they act on it much, but I'm sure their parents already have testimonies to this about how they are not perfect. They're wonderful, but not perfect. And uh, they are helpless as far as it comes to uh, seeking after God and being righteous. It's one of the reasons why I love that we baptize babies and small children in our church because it is such an accurate picture that we are helpless to work our way to God or find our way to him on our own strength. We need someone to represent us. We need someone to come and take us to that place. And that's what we see with their parents today. Our sin, this imperfection, is a state it's something that was inherited. It's something that we are born into, as I said. And, it's, and we all need the same thing. We all need to be washed clean of it. We need to be changed from the inside out. We need to be made right with God. And that's what Paul tells us that Jesus promises to do to us through baptism. That he cleanses us by the washing of water with the word. Through baptism, Jesus washes away our sin. That's good news, we just sang it. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So that's the first thing, we are washed. The second thing the Bible tells us that happens to us through baptism is that God welcomes us. He welcomes us into his family. That's what we're gonna see him do with Hector and Cecilia today. They're gonna be welcomed in, made members of the church family. That's why we do it in a public setting. That's why we're not like in Godfather. You remember the Godfather? When they have the private baptism where Michael's baptized and all that. We don't do private baptisms because we want everybody to get to enjoy the new members of the family. They're, welcoming, they're being welcomed into our family. That's why we're here today to celebrate. And Paul says this. He tells us that baptism is God's way of adoption. He says it in Romans 8. We heard it today. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We get to start calling God Daddy. That's the cool thing after baptism. We are made his children. And Jesus says it too in John 3. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you're born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Baptism is the marking of a spiritual rebirth. And this points to the third thing that the Bible tells us happens to us at baptism, uh, that God does to us, and it's the most important, really. The other two depend on this one. In baptism, God unites us with his son. He unites us with Jesus in his death and resurrection. That's what happens in baptism. This is where we see, as we said, the resurrection come into our time and space. That thing that happened 2,000 years ago on the other side of the world comes here. It's not in Jerusalem. It's here now in Ion in South Carolina. We're going to see the resurrection come down into our reality today. Paul says this in Romans 6. He says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus... We're baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. When Hecti and Cecilia go under the water today, it's a symbol of death. That's the symbol of the, the spiritual death, their sin being put to death. It's, it has to happen first, that, that imperfection we talked about. And then when we lift them up from under the water, that is the symbol of them being raised. It's the picture of them being raised up, being united with Christ in his resurrection, the promise that death won't be the end for them that eternal life awaits them. That's God's promise to them. The water is that symbol of being brought to new life, being made new, being reborn. And this is not an abstraction, okay? It's not just an idle tale like the disciples thought. As I said, this is God preaching to us, preaching to us, his grace breaking into our lives when we are as helpless as a little baby when we have as much as they have to offer to the equation. It's a very good image. God does this work to us, this awesome work of putting our sin to death with Jesus on the cross and then raising us up again as new creations. And so today we're gonna to be witnesses of this. We're witnessing God at work in Cecilia and Hecte's life. The same promise, promise that he made to each of us when we were baptized is now being made to them. That Jesus counts for them. That Jesus' death and resurrection is for them. They will be so united with Christ in this promise that Paul says that he is their very life. That's what he says in Colossians. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. This is all what we're watching happen today. So, this seed is going to be planted. To add some more imagery for you, uh, a seed is going to be planted for Hector and Cecilia. It's this seed of faith. And this is why we have Hector and Nicole uh, and Lauren and Preston, thank you, uh, coming up, and they're going to be representatives of Cecilia and Hector. And they're going to be standing and saying, We support them, we're going to do whatever we can to raise them in this faith. And we're going to join them in that. We want to water this seed that's planted today. We want to encourage them. We want to teach them and support them as they grow up and come to know Jesus. And one day, by God's grace, we're going to see this seed sprout and they're going to own this faith for themselves. They're going to say yes to the baptism they've already received. It's an awesome work. It's one of the things that we see happen all the time, that God puts us in these families that bring us to him. It's not something we chose. I didn't choose the family I was born into. They didn't choose their family, but they have these wonderful parents that God has blessed, and he's using them to start their walk of faith. It's an awesome thing we're going to do today. So our faith today, then, is in God's promises. It's in God's word to us. It's what Hector and Nicole are putting their faith in for their kids. We're hoping in him that he's going to be faithful to his promises. And as we said, Jesus is the answer. The resurrection is the answer that all those promises will be kept. And I'm just going to close here with Isaiah 25 that we read to hear God's promises to us. The Lord says... I will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. I will swallow up death forever, and I will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of my people I will take away from all the earth, for I, the Lord, have spoken. Amen.